book of uh, Exodus, um, and and I'll read some from Ezekiel. <coughs> It may just take me just a couple, a few minutes to get through these, but I need to read them in order to minister what I'm going to minister tonight. Um, teach, kind of treat, probably. I am, I am, uh, I'm speaking to you tonight from this subject: a story of stones. A story of stones. Would everybody just say that? A story of stones. A story of stones. And so I want to talk to you about that, and I'm going to just delve into some scripture here that uh, is kind of informational, um, one about the high priest, and then another passage of scripture in Ezekiel that has to do with Satan, uh, actually. So, if uh, Exodus 28, verses 15 through 21, Exodus 28, verses 15 through 21, the Bible says, And thou shalt make the breastplate of judgment. With cunning work, after the work of the ephod, thou shalt make it of gold, of blue, and of purple, and of scarlet, and of fine twisted linen shalt thou make it. Four square it shall be, being doubled, a span shall be the length thereof, and a span shall be the breadth thereof. And thou shalt set in it settings of stones, even four rows of stones. Now, pay attention a, a little bit to the to the number here. There's going to be four rows of stones. Um, the first row shall be a sardis, a topaz, and a carbuncle. This shall be the first row. And the second row shall be an emerald, a sapphire, and a diamond. And the third row, a ligur, an agate, and an amethyst. And the fourth row, a beryl, and an onyx, and a jasper. They shall be set in gold in their enclosings. And the stones shall be with the names of the children of Israel, twelve according to their names, like the engravings of a signet, every one with his name shall they be according to the twelve tribes. So the Lord said, the priest is going to wear this breastplate, and on the breastplate there's going to be twelve stones. There's going to be four rows of stones with three stones in each row. Um, and these stones have a very specific representation, and that is that they are representing the 12 tribes of Israel. All right? Now, if you were to look at Ezekiel chapter number 28, verses 11 through 15, Ezekiel 28, 11 through 15, the Bible says, Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, and this is what he's about to say here is dealing with Satan. All right. Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Thou sealest up the sum full of wisdom and perfect and perfect in beauty. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering. The sardis topaz and the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, and the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, and the carbuncle, and gold, the workmanship of thy tabrets and of thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou wast created. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day that thou wast created till iniquity was found in thee. So I am speaking tonight from that subject, a story of stones. I wonder right now if we can just ask God to help us here, to give us, uh, let revelation fall on us tonight. Would you do that? Would you pray with me? In the name of Jesus, Lord, we ask that you would help us in this place tonight. Let your word come to us, let it speak to us, let it grow us, let it challenge us, let us have ears to hear and hearts to understand what your spirit would say, and we would give you all the glory in Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. amen. So the, the enemy, the devil, Lucifer, that old serpent, Satan, Beelzebub, whatever you want to call him, 
my father-in-law used to have a few choice words for him when he'd get to preaching real hard. Uh, whatever it is that you would refer to him as, Satan was the anointed cherub that covered. Matter of fact, most Bible scholars believe that in the, in the economy of heaven and in the context of, uh, of heaven and everything that would go on there, that there was no um, higher angel than the angel Lucifer, Satan. And he was the anointed cherub that covered. Some have said that he was heaven's choir director. I don't know if that's true. One of the places that comes from is partially this scripture. It says that within him uh, there were uh, there were tubes, and 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 when he spoke, when his when his voice would go forth, it wasn't just an ordinary voice, but it was a voice that was beautiful. He had pipes prepared in him, and so. Um, when Lucifer spoke, there was a beautiful, melodious sound that would come forth. and um, He was set higher than any other angel. He was on the holy mountain of God. He was in the presence of God. Uh, the devil was uh, exposed to the, to the pure and to the um, unfiltered glory of God. I know that I have been in services before where I have felt some tremendous power and glory of God. Have you ever been there? Where the presence of the Lord swept in and it was so rich and it was so deep and it was so powerful. Um, I've been in services before where it seemed like nobody wanted to say a word. You ever been in one of those? You just felt like if you were to say anything, you would... would, uh, dispel and break the tranquility of that moment. I've been in services like that, and I've been in services where nobody wanted to shut up. Everybody was praising God, and everybody was lifting their voice and clapping their hands, and the power of God was so evident in the room. I've been in uh, services of both of those kinds, but I have never, ever been in a service, and you have never, ever been in a service where all that we felt was the unfiltered glory of God. Um, we, Paul said, we see through a glass darkly. There are some things that we do not see clearly yet. Uh, there are some things that we have not been exposed to, their, to, to the clarity of that thing just yet. When Moses came down off of the mountain, Sinai, he had been with God. And when he came down off of the mountain, Uh, the Bible said that his face shone from having been with God. And he took a a veil and he placed it over his head to cover that, that, uh, that glory that was radiating off of him. And so the people would not be uh, afraid that, that that's a pretty deep level of the presence of God right there. But I've never been in a service. I've, I've been in services where I would have said it was like their face shone, but I've never been in a service where somebody literally walked out of the building and their face was shining and with a supernatural light. We haven't experienced that level yet of the glory of God. One of these days we're going to get to when we all get to heaven. We're going to get to experience the presence of God. There will be no filter for it. It won't be God speaking through the preacher anymore. And it won't be God ministering through the singers anymore. It will be God's Shekinah glory. And God's pure and undefiled presence. Right. Right now, we are all people. We're all human. And the presence of God moves among us. And the Spirit of God works through us. But still, it is the Spirit of God working through imperfect humanity. But one of these days, it's not going to be God working through imperfect humanity. It's going to be a perfect God working through a perfect body, Jesus Christ. 
And we are going to experience Him in all His fullness. Oh, what a day that will be. That is why the songwriter said, Oh, what singing. Oh, what shouting. On that happy morning when we all shall rise. He is, he is telling us that you think it's been good now, but you haven't seen anything yet. And so I am looking forward to the day when we are in the presence of God and there is nothing to hinder us from that presence, but we get to experience Him in all His majesty and in all His glory and everything that He is. Can you shout amen? Amen. Amen. Well, the devil knew what it was to be in His presence like that. The enemy of our soul was the angel that covered. And he was in God's pure and undefiled presence. And, and he knew what it was to, to be exposed to the one true living God. It is said that the, the uh, stones that were on Lucifer, the, the precious stones that were his covering, the sardis, the topaz, the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, the carbuncle, that these, <coughs> that these stones, uh, when, when the Lord was there, that the glory of God, and I've told you before, at his, at his purest essence, God is simply light, at his purest essence, and that the glory of God, that we call the Shekinah, would hit those stones that covered uh, Lucifer. And when it did, that beautiful radiant light would go everywhere. And this was part of his job in heaven. It was to, it was to, uh, to radiate the glory of God to everything that was around him. And I'm going to tell you, this isn't my message tonight, but it would be a good thing for us to do. When we come to worship God, when we come into the house of God, it would do all of us real good if we would understand that we are not just here to receive. But I want to be a reflector of the glory of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If we will come into the house of the Lord and into His presence, and we will come with the express purpose that I want to be a reflector of everything that God is in this service. With everything that God wants to do in this service. I want to be something that reflects that to those that are around me. I'm going to tell you, you talk about a worship service. We would have church. We'd have some kind of church if we'd all get to reflecting the glory of God. So you look here and, and there's nine stones that are mentioned uh, with Lucifer in Ezekiel 28. There's, it also mentions the gold, but uh, I would I look at that as a little bit different. And I won't go into all that. It says that the stones that the priests had were set in gold. So all those things, they all line up together. But Satan had nine stones that covered him, and the priest had 12 stones that were on his breastplate. Now, if you get to looking at these, you will, it doesn't take a rocket scientist or a Bible scholar to see that the nine stones that Lucifer had covering him, those stones were nine of the twelve stones that the high priest wore on that breastplate. So nine of those twelve the high priest had on his breastplate. But three of them that he had, Satan did not have. He was missing them. And if you look at it, what you will find is that he was missing the ligure, the agate, and the amethyst. Now, I don't know what ligure is. I don't know what agate is. I've heard of amethyst before, but that's about as far as I go. I am not a stone expert. And I didn't really delve deep into what these stones are, other than that they each had a different color, and they each uh, represented one of the tribes of Israel. Now... If you study those 12 stones that were on the breastplate of the priest, um, there, and, and, and you try to say, okay, so these 12 stones represent the 12 tribes of Israel. Which one represents which tribe? And so you can begin to study that, and there's going to be a few different theories on which ones represent which tribes. 
Um, I looked through it and, and I did some studying on it. And the thing I found is that there is no consensus. Isn't that always wonderful? But here's the nice thing about that. That means I get to preach it my way. <laughs> no, when I, when I did study that, those that I would have put the most uh, stock in what they had to say, and a lot of them being uh, coming from the Jewish tradition, they told us that uh, which stone uh, related to which tribe. And of the three that <coughs> Satan did not have, the Ligur, the Agate, and the Amethyst, those stones correspond to Ephraim, Manasseh, and Benjamin. Ephraim, Manasseh, and Benjamin. Now, uh, this, this thought comes from something that, uh, those of you that were at men's conference, it comes from something that Brother uh, Hoffman said when he was preaching and uh, something he'd been looking into. So I, I said, that's interesting. I'm going to look into this as well. Ephraim, Manasseh, and Benjamin uh, were the only three stones that were not represented in the covering of Lucifer or Satan. So I thought, that, that, that's interesting. Why would that be? Why, what is it that, that makes him to have a covering of stones, but he couldn't have those three stones? He was, he was the highest-ranked angel. He was the chair of that covering. So why would he not be allowed to have these three stones? And it's pretty interesting when you begin to study this. Because these three stones represent three tribes. And these tribes are identified by their name. But in, 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 in uh, Hebrew history, a name was so much more than just a name. It was so much more than just a name. Somebody says, what's your name? My name is... Um, is is Billy Bob. I don't think we have a Billy Bob here tonight, so trying to pick a name we don't have. But we are in Arkansas. It probably wasn't a good idea for me to choose Billy Bob. <laughs> my name's Billy Bob. What does that mean? Well, it just don't mean really nothing. It's just a name my parents liked, so they gave me that name. Well, they didn't do that. Uh, when they would give a name, the name was uh, indicative of something much more deeper than just a word. And so uh, you, have, you have Jesus changing the name of Simon. He said, no more is your name going to be Simon, but I am going to call you Cephas or Peter. And uh, that means Simon meant just a, a, a small stone, but Peter meant a rock. And he was saying, uh, you were something smaller and insignificant before, but now you're going to be something of substance and of value. Saul's name was changed from Saul to Paul. And you can go through the scripture and there's a few different uh, people whose names were changed. When, and the reason those names were changed is because that's not who they were anymore. Jacob was no longer going to be a deceiver and a liar and a conniver, but Jacob was going to be Israel. Uh, as a prince, he had power with God. So let's look at these three. And I'm going to begin with the order that they would have been in. And the first one is Manasseh. Manasseh. Now, uh, Manasseh is one of the sons of Joseph. Joseph had two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. Um, this is after he had been sold into slavery in Egypt. He went to Egypt. He worked for Potiphar uh, as a slave. And then Potiphar's wife lied on him, and he went to prison. And then from prison, he went before Pharaoh. He interpreted uh, he told him his dream and interpreted it. And uh, from that point on, he became second in, in the nation of Egypt and uh, got them through the famine that was to come. And so uh, he lived out the rest of his days in Egypt. And he had these two boys. And the first one that was born to him was Manasseh. Everybody say Manasseh. Manasseh. Manasseh, which meant, the name means cause to forget. And when Joseph named that son, he said, I am calling him Manasseh because the Lord has made me to forget all of the bad things that happened to me prior to me getting to this place in my life. 
He had the story of the prison. He had the story of Potiphar. He had the story of a pit. He had the story of brothers who hated him. He had the story of a mother who was in competition with her sister. That, that's where he came from. He said, but I went through all of those things and now I've got to this place in my life that I'm not bound by those things anymore. He said, God has made me to forget all of that. That's why he could look at his brothers whenever he revealed who he was to them. And he said, I'm not mad at you and I'm not upset and angry with you because I see now that God has had his hand on us for a long time. And then God was working some things out. What the enemy would have meant for evil, God meant it for good. And so it may have been a rough road to get here, but I'm thankful that I'm here because if I hadn't gotten here, then I couldn't have been here to save you. And I couldn't have been here to save Israel and that nation of Israel that were going to come from all of them, those boys. He said, so I've made up my mind that I'm not going to live in the past anymore. He said, I've made up my mind that I'm going to forget a few things. And I'm not going to be held back and hindered by what has happened a long time ago. I'm going to tell you tonight that the reason that the devil cannot wear the, the precious stone of Manasseh is because the devil cannot cause you to forget anything. God can cause you to forget. And God can forgive you. But the devil's never called, let anybody forget anything. And the devil has never forgiven anybody of anything. And the devil will never be able to forgive you of anything. The devil doesn't forgive people of indiscretions. He doesn't forgive people of mistakes, Brother Jimmy. And he sure doesn't forgive people for sins that they have committed. Matter of fact, he is the accuser of the brethren. He does the opposite of forgetting. He keeps throwing it before you. And he keeps telling you that you're not worthy. And he keeps telling you that you'll never amount to anything in the kingdom of God. But I've come to tell you today, don't you listen to him. He never could wear that stone and he never will wear that stone. But thank God he said, I got something that's more perfect than Lucifer. I've got something more complete than him. And I've got a stone of forgiveness for him. I've got a stone of forgiveness for you. That was Manasseh. Oh, thank God for all the things that he has caused us to forget. Now, Jake, Joseph was no different than you or me. And when he said, God has made me to forget, the fact that he said, God has made me forget all the things you did to me, lets me know that really he could remember them. Right? Uh-huh. Yeah. He, he knew what, they, what he was saying was, God has helped me to choose to get over that stuff. He has helped me to make up my mind that I don't want to live back there. Here's the problem with living in the past. It chains you and it shackles you. It holds you back and it, it, it is a constant reminder. You are always enclosed in the little cell that says you cannot go anywhere without remembering and looking at all of these things and allowing them to cause feelings to rise up in you. What Joseph was trying to say when he named that his son Manasseh, he was trying to tell uh, his brothers, he was saying, look, he said, uh, yes, I went through all of that. Yes, it was a tough time. Yes, there's things that were not right. But I have gotten to the point where none of those things move me anymore. Those things don't control me anymore. He said, I can look at you, and when I look at you, I don't hate you. I look at you, matter of fact, it was the opposite. He loved them. He loved them. He fell on their neck and wept when he revealed who he was to them. Because he loved his brothers. He said, I've allowed all that stuff. Bygones are going to be bygones. Let me just tell you something. God can forgive somebody uh, for, for things that they have done. But you can try to hold them as long as you want. And they're not the one in bondage to it. You are. Yeah, that's right. Who am I? Who am I to try to chain somebody up? With things that God's forgiven them of. 
how arrogant do I have to be? Yeah. To put myself in a place of judgment in their life. To say my judgment is greater than God's. And God may have forgiven you, but I'm going to hold you to this. We, there's a lot of, there's a lot of ways. Did Paul, did Paul not say, my, my children of whom I travail, uh, I travail in birth for you again until Christ be formed in you? Paul, speaking to some of his converts, he said, I'm travailing until Christ be formed in you. Well, that's a great scripture, and we like it, and it preaches real good. When we talk about, I want to, I, I want to know uh, peace, like Jesus, I, Jesus had peace, and and, and I, I want to be uh, confident in who I am, like Jesus was confident in who He was. But nobody ever talks about it and says, I want to be able to forgive people the way Jesus forgave people. That's good. I want to be able to forgive people the way Jesus forgave people, and and I'm going to tell you something right now. It's if we're not careful, emotion can be like a drug. <coughs> emotion can be like a drug. And we can hear the right thing, and it can cause us to feel an emotion about something. But it is not the emotion of forgiveness. It is the emotion of, 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 of pity a lot of times that comes up. I know what I'm talking about. We pray, and we think we're forgiving somebody, and what we're really doing is having a pity party over what they did to us. And saying, God, even though they did this to me, I'm still going to love you, and we love you, but I hate them. Watch out. And we embrace pity, but we do not embrace forgiveness. And we're going to have to learn to forgive. And the devil, for all that he can do and all the things that, that he has the ability to do and as beautiful as he was and all of those things, the devil has never been able to forgive. And the devil has never encouraged anybody to forgive. But he wants us to live with unforgiveness in our hearts so that uh, that wound will always be there. I'm going to tell you tonight, Let's embrace forgiveness. Let's embrace forgiveness. Joseph did it. Joseph did it. He had a second son. And this was another one of the stones that Satan did not have. His name was Ephraim. Ephraim. Really, it was Manasseh and Ephraim. Now, when we quote the Bible, a lot of times we say Ephraim and Manasseh. The reason for that is because when Joseph brought his sons before his father, Jacob, who had become Israel, to bless them before he passed, he brought them so that uh, Manasseh would be at the right hand of Jacob and Ephraim would be on the left hand because it was common that the elder would receive the greater blessing and the greater blessing is in the right hand. You need to remember that because I'm going to be touching on that in a moment, the right hand. So when he came, he, he brought his sons, he put them before his dad. Jacob goes to lay hands on them, and the Bible says that wittingly, he crossed his hands. And he put the right hand on Ephraim and the left hand on Manasseh. And Joseph said, hang on, you can't do that. This is the elder. He said, I know what it is that I'm doing. I know what it is that I'm doing. And so the greater blessing was put on Ephraim. And that is why the name Ephraim, uh, when he was named, uh, Joseph probably thought he was giving him a name with a meaning that he really liked, but he didn't know how prophetic that meaning was because uh, Ephraim means to be doubly fruitful. Doubly fruitful. Well, the eldest received a double portion than what the younger received. And so Ephraim was, in fact, doubly fruitful. So I'm going to tell you tonight, um, Satan doesn't have the ability to cause you to forget and to forgive. And Satan uh, cannot cause you to be doubly fruitful. Here's what I mean by that. There are some things that I think that the enemy, the devil, 
can put his hand in in our lives and he can and he can cause things to work a, a certain way. We think now now watch, watch this. We think sometimes that when we live for God, we're a child of God, that God is never going to allow the enemy to, to touch our lives in any way. That is not the truth. That is not the truth. You study anybody in Scripture, they all were subject to the attacks of the enemy. They all were. I don't care. It was prophets. It was kings. It was apostles. They all were subject to attacks of the enemy. And uh, so, so, so these things are, are going to happen. The devil meddles in the lives of the people of God to the extent that he can. Now, there are limitations. There are hedges that God puts up. And there are some things that the devil can do, and there are some things that the devil cannot do. And we see that with the story of Job, whenever the, the, the devil told the Lord, he said, I've seen your servant Job. He said, you've got a hedge around him. If you remove the hedge, I could cause him to curse you. And God said, okay, here's what I'll do. He said, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to redefine the parameters of that hedge. You can touch all of his stuff, but you cannot touch him. Don't touch his body and, and his health. Uh, but you can touch everything that he has. And so the parameters were redefined, and the enemy attacked Job to the extent that he could attack Job. you understand? Mm -hmm. And so, uh, and eventually God said, okay, I'll redefine the parameters again. I'll let you touch his body. You can't take his life, but you can touch his body. And then he uh, caused Job to have all these boils that would come upon him. So the devil is, to, to an extent... That, and to the extent specifically that God allows him, he's able to, uh, to meddle in our lives a little bit. I'm going to tell you that I personally believe, and I think Scripture would bear this out, that the devil will allow you to, to, to do well so long as you do well while you're not living for God. Mm -hmm. Matter of fact, the devil wants you to do well, mm -hmm. and I'm using that term very loosely, he wants you to do well so long as you're not living for God. Right. Because what's it to him if you're a multimillionaire but your soul's lost? Right. That's why Jesus said, Lay not up for yourself treasures on earth where right. moth and rust doth corrupt right. and thieves break through to steal, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven yes. where moth and rust can't corrupt and right. thieves can't break through to steal. Because he understands that there's a greater value on things that are spiritual than things that are physical. Right. So the devil, watch this, the devil can, can touch things that are physical, but the devil cannot touch those things which are spiritual. And so the devil can call somebody, the devil can, just, just go with me for a moment here, the devil can allow somebody to be, I'm, I'm using this term in quotes, all right? The devil can cause, allow somebody to be blessed physically, but he'll never, uh, he'll never help you to be blessed spiritually. Because he, can't, he cannot give you a double blessing. He can't give you the double blessing. He cannot, he can't affect your spirit man. He can only affect that which is the physical man. Are you with me? But the Lord allowed that name to be placed on Ephraim, meaning doubly fruitful. So there are some things that God can do that the devil never has been able to do, he never will be able to do. That's why he didn't get that stone. Because the devil can't give you peace in the middle of your storm. He can't do it. The devil might help you to have money in your pocket, but he'll never give you grace to walk through a valley. The devil may uh, cause somebody to come up alongside of you uh, when it works into his plan who will befriend you because he knows that friendship will take you farther into the world. But he'll never be able to be, give, be the friend that's sticking closer than a brother. Right. He'll, he'll never be able to cause you to be doubly fruitful. He may touch the things that are physical, but he'll never bless the things that are spiritual. And I am telling you that God wants to give you that, the stone of Ephraim as well as the stone of Manasseh. Not only does He want you to be able to forgive and forget, but God wants you to be able to be blessed 
Not just physically, not just materialistically, but God wants to bless you spiritually. And I had this revelation come to me years ago, and a, a few years ago, and I, I guess I had read through this several times, but it had never jumped out at me like it did this one particular uh, time as I was studying for a message. There's a scripture, and some of you were here when I preached it the first time. There's a scripture that says that He has blessed us with all spiritual blessings. Mm-hmm. Talking about the Lord. He has blessed us with all spiritual blessings. And that got a hold of me. That got a hold of me. And I said, my goodness, Lord, if you don't ever give me anything else, would you please just give me the spiritual blessings? If I don't get the money, that's okay. But would you give me the peace? And if I don't get uh, the the job, that's okay. But would you help me to trust you? And if I don't get these other things, I'll be all right, God. But Lord, give me a spiritual blessing. Because I don't, if I get to the end of my life, if the Lord should tarry, and I give my kids money, and I give my kids houses, and I give my kids lands, but I don't give them anything spiritual, then I haven't given them anything of value. I want to give my kids a double blessing. I want to, that, hallelujah. That is why, that is why when, uh, uh, Jacob and Esau had come before Isaac and his eyes were dim and he couldn't see anymore and he had gone blind. And Jacob connived his way to getting the blessing of Esau, that firstborn. And when it was all said and done, Esau came, up, came in and he said, don't you have any other blessings left for me? And Isaac looked at him and he said, I can't give you the blessing that I gave him because it's already gone. I gave him the spiritual blessing already. It's going to be on his life from this point forward. And Esau said, well, just give me whatever little blessing that you can. I'm going to tell you right now, the devil can't give you the blessing, the spiritual blessing that God can give you. And the enemy can come around and try to steal it and try to take it all he wants to. And he may take my stuff like he did with Job and he may take my health. But he'll never be able to steal the spiritual blessings that God has put inside my heart. Because he can only affect me externally, but he can never affect me internally. He cannot affect me internally. The devil cannot steal my peace. I don't know why I keep coming back to that tonight. Undoubtedly, somebody needs to hear about peace. The devil cannot steal my peace. He can put circumstances in my life to try to cause me to fear and have anxiety and worry, but he cannot reach down inside of my heart and say, I'm taking your peace from you. I'm taking your joy from you. I'm taking all these things that God has given you. He cannot do it because he he has never worn the stone of Ephraim. But thank God that the Lord said, I'm going to come back in a little bit and I'm going to have a better plan and I'm going to have a better way. And I'm going to give you a stone that's going to cause you not just to be blessed when you're going out, but you'll be blessed when you're coming in. And you're going to be blessed not only externally, but you're going to be blessed internally. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And the third stone that the enemy doesn't have that we can have. Because the Bible said we have been made to be kings and priests unto our God. We can wear this stone. The third one they say is most likely the stone of Benjamin. It's the three youngest of the twelve tribes that the enemy did not have the stones of. He said, you, you're going to have the stone of Benjamin. But the enemy cannot have that. Benjamin was unique. He was born to Rachel. Jacob had two wives, Leah and Rachel. And uh, Leah was the one that he had fallen in love with. But uh, her father tricked him and married uh, him to Leah. Or, excuse me, Rachel was the one he'd fallen in love with. His father tricked him. So that he married Leah. That's quite a wedding surprise, isn't it? He married Leah. 
and uh, was uh, understandably aggravated about it. And so he said, what have you done? He said, I, can't, I couldn't marry the younger one before I married the elder one. So uh, he said, work for Rachel and I'll allow you to marry her too. So he did. But Rachel was the one that initially his eye caught. Um, of course, later he would be buried next to Leah. That's a wonderful sermon in and of itself. Uh, but but Rachel was that one, and so Rachel, uh, Leah was was having babies, you know, and and, and gave him uh, Reuben and Simeon and Levi and Judah, and then when Rachel saw that Leah's having all these children, she couldn't have children, so she gave her handmaid to Jacob and said, "Have children by her," and so she had two children by that handmaid, and then Leah said, "Well, I'll give him my handmaid." And he had two children by her. So we got four, six, eight, okay? And then Rachel uh, was able to give birth to Joseph. And of course, Joseph is who gave us Ephraim and Manasseh that I preached about. And then Leah had another. And finally, Rachel has this last child whose name is Benjamin. And she dies giving birth to him. But before she dies, she said, we're going to name him Benoni. Benoni, which means son of my sorrow, because I have died giving birth to him. And they brought the child out to Jacob, and they said, Rachel died giving birth to him. But before she died, she said his name would be Benoni. And Jacob said, no, that's not going to be his name. I will not have him going through life feeling like he's the son of sorrow. He said, we're going to call his name Benjamin which means the son of my right hand. And in their day, that would have been the son who is representative of my power. And so I am going to tell you, the devil cannot cause you to forget and to forgive. The devil cannot bless you spiritually. And the devil cannot give you the kind of power that our God can give you. Satan cannot give Holy Ghost power. That is why the scripture said, Ye shall receive power, Jesus speaking, after that the Holy Ghost hath come upon you. There is a power that comes from heaven. Now I know that the devil, the Bible says that he is full of lying wonders. The Bible says that, uh, that, that there are things that he has the ability to do. There is a measure of power that even Satan has. And that's why you've got um, all this stuff with the occult and all that that we've seen and, and heard about through the years. And you've heard about witch doctors and all kinds of different things. And th- these people actually being to uh, harness some level of power, some measure of power. The devil does have a measure of power. And there are things that the devil can do. And there are ways that the devil can work through people so that they have an ability to do some things. But I'm going to just tell you right now, the devil has no power like the power of our God. And the devil cannot duplicate Holy Ghost power. Because Holy Ghost power has its its, uh, genesis, it has its, uh, its birth is in the presence and the power of Almighty God. And because we know that when Jesus said, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, Jesus was telling them that you're going to get power when my spirit becomes, it gets inside of you. And when the spirit that is in me gets inside of you, you're going to have a measure of my spirit living within you. And so I'm going to tell you right now, Satan cannot give Holy Ghost power. That's why the devils are subject to the name of Jesus. I don't care how much power they have. I don't care how much power any witch doctor has. That devil is subject to the power of the Holy Ghost. I'm reminded of, uh, I believe it was Brother Scott Graham, who pastors in St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, He pastors a church. They've got a pretty good name there. It's called the Sanctuary. (laughs) And uh, he said he was on an airplane, and they're flying. And, and he had, this was back when he was youth president 
of the United Pentecostal Church, General Youth Division. He was traveling all over all the time. And uh, he was on a plane, and, and uh, if, if I'm telling this story correct, I hope, I, I think I'm telling it right. Uh, I'll try to back check it later because I, this wasn't in my notes tonight. But as I remember this, uh, he's sitting on that plane. He's got his Bible out. He was studying for a message he was going to be preaching at a youth camp or something. And so he's looking over some things. And uh, the guy sitting next to him said, you got a Bible? He said, yeah. He said, are you a preacher or something? He said, yes, I am. And the man began to talk to me. He said, well, he said, uh, I've got a holy book too. And he said, oh, do you? And he said, yes. He said, he said uh, uh, and my book has power. And, and I'm, I'm probably not getting all these the conversation right, but it's the gist of it's about right. He got it out, and it was some uh, book of the occult and and he was a witch doctor, and he sent his book out, and he said, my book has power. And Brother Graham took his Bible, and he set his Bible on that man's book, and he said, my book is more powerful than your book. And when he did, that man fell out of his seat, into the eye. And Brother Graham said there was something so powerful in that moment. What is it? That man did have a little bit of power, but he didn't have the kind of power that's evident in this house tonight. There is something, there is something so wonderful about the power of the Holy Ghost. There is something so wonderful about the power of the Holy Ghost. I could tell you some more stories. I, there's a few others I know. One of our missionaries that my dad is friends with, um, and, and I believe that he was in one of our African countries. And, of course, um, all that kind of stuff is very big there. And he, there was somebody that had been, a family that was in one of their churches. And uh, their son died. And they took him to their home. And they did whatever as their custom was. They laid him in the bed. And they got word to the pastor who was the missionary. They said, please, would you come? And would you just pray with our son and just be with our family and he said, I'll come. And so he got there. Well, what he didn't know is that because of their tradition, that uh, some of their other family who were not believers had brought the, the local um, holy man, whatever they would have called him, there to that house. And when he came in that, the house, the man just was looking at him with evil eyes and and, and, and he said, there's just something, you could tell, something's not right here. This man, he said, you could just feel the possession, the demon possession uh, that had a hold in him. And uh, I came in and they said, would you please pray for our son? He'd been dead two days, as I remember. And he said, I'll pray for him. And that man began to laugh and mock and, and, and make fun of their God and, and all of that. And the missionary turned and looked at him he said, he said, my God is greater than your God. And my God has more power than your God. And the man said, I, my God has power. He said, my God's got more power than yours. And so he went in there. He said, now I'm really on the spot. He said, I went into the bedroom. All the family comes in behind him. And he walked over to that boy laying on the bed. And he said, in the name of Jesus. He said, get up. Right now, death leave this room and child, get up. And when he did, that boy just sat up in the bed. I'm not telling you a story that from someone who heard it, who heard it, who heard it, who heard it. I'm telling you what the missionary that's serving on the field right now told us. He said the boy sat up in the bed and the witch doctor screamed and ran running out of the house. And many people were converted because of the miracle that took place that day. I am telling you, our God has a greater power I'll give you one more. Y'all okay? Yeah. I'll give you one more. Um, we had uh, we had one of our um, ministers um, who was preaching a revival in the church, and there was there was some kind of big deal going on, revival thing, where a man was coming in, and the pastor said, "I there's something really weird about this." He said, "He said they're telling me some of the things that are happening, and it is supernatural." He said, but I don't understand what's going on. And he said, this man's telling every, 
all these people things in their lives, these these evil things that they've done. And he said, just something seems odd about it. He said, well, let's go. And they went to one of these services. And there they sat, and this man comes through, and he starts uh, telling people, you did this, and, and you did this. And he was right on. He was telling them what they had done. He was seeing things in their lives. But he got to where uh, our minister was. He said, and you! He looked at him and he said, you! He said, you, you have nothing! And the man stood up. He said, you better believe I've got nothing. He said, oh, mine's been covered by the blood of Jesus. What are you talking about? I'm telling you, we serve a God of Holy Ghost power. And the devil, the devil can imitate a lot of things. But the devil will never be able to wear the stone of Benjamin. The devil may have his little measure of power. But he doesn't have the kind of power that our God has. And he doesn't have the ability that our God has. And he can't work the kind of miracles that our God can work. We serve a great and a mighty God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So when the priest had come along, and the priest, the Lord told him to make this uh, breastplate. This was all in the plan of God. Because the breastplate that the priest would wear was a foretelling of things that Jesus Christ would do. It was only going to be Jesus who could cause us to forgive and to forget. It was only going to be Jesus who could bless us with all spiritual blessings. And it is only Jesus who can shower us with the Holy Ghost and take what is of His Spirit and put it inside of our hearts. It is only Jesus who can do that. The devil will never be able to wear the stones of Ephraim and Manasseh and Benjamin. But oh brother, sister, you can wear those stones. You can forgive. You can forget. You can be blessed spiritually. And you can know what it is to be filled with Holy Ghost power. Is there anybody in this room tonight that says I want to wear the stone? I want to wear the stone that God has given to me. Would you stand in your feet tonight and give God praise? Let's give God praise. Let's give God praise. That is why Jesus on the cross could say it is Finished. It is finished. It's finished. Because he had gone through every one of those things. He had gone through every one of those things. He had fulfilled the role of the great high priest. He is a high priest that has that has gone before the Shekinah for us. He is my high priest. He is your high priest. There will never be another like he is. There will never, never be another who can imitate him. There's never going to be another who can hoodwink us and cause us to think something that's not true and cause us to believe in a false God when we have experienced his forgiveness. We have experienced his blessing. We have experienced his power. Hallelujah. Ephraim. Manasseh, Benjamin, I'm going to wear those stones close to my heart. I'm going to wear those stones close to my heart. I wonder if you could lift your hands right now and thank God for the stones. Could you thank God for the stones? Hallelujah.